If you're still here, you're an absolute legend because that means that you've survived a bear market that has been 384 days. We've been going for 384 days since the top and it's just going down and down and down. And the question is, how long is this bear market going to last? I've got some indicators today, which I'm going to show you, which may give you a sense for how long you need to hang in there if you want to survive the whole bear market. And if you've made it this far, I think you should watch till the end. Also, uh, I've got a very stern warning for BitBoy from someone that he's been threatening. So I'm going to talk about uh, that warning. We're going to talk about Solana. We're going to talk about Phantom. I'm going to show you guys a portfolio that you can build, whether you've got $1,500 or $15,000. Um, yeah, we've got a lot, a lot to do today. So listen, let's get out of bed. Let's have some fun. Let's do this. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch. Go. Get up, get up. I the guy go. Wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up. Get up. Wakey, rise and shine, rise and shine, rise and shine. Um, can you guys hear me? Hold on. What's going on here? Can you hear me now? Okay. My, am I am I 100%? Am I loud enough? Why did Kyle nod his head? So, wakey, wakey, rise and shine, guys. Uh, for those of you, I mean, I must say, what an amazing community. Here we are in the peak of the bear market, and I've got the banter fam here, um, basically waiting in the waiting room. Biggest waiting room numbers we ever had. Also, our subscriber numbers are growing almost like they were growing in the bull market. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Shows the power of the banter fam, shows the power of the community. And if you've made it this far, I think you need to congratulate yourselves. You, you really, really, really need to congratulate yourselves because it's been a brutal, brutal, brutal bear market. Not only has it been 384 days since we hit the Bitcoin top, but also the events of this bear market don't compare to the events of the last bear market. Now, yes, you could argue that last bear market was much more difficult because we never knew if crypto was going to be a thing. We never knew if crypto was going to survive. In the last bear market, the questions were whether this thing called crypto or blockchain would ever do anything, would ever be invested in by institutions, would ever become anything. In this bear market, we know that that's not the case. In this bear market, it's just a case of when will crypto recover and not if crypto will recover or if crypto will be something. And let me tell you, from someone who's been in both bear markets, 2017 was much worse. But this one the drops and the capitulations and the quantums that are involved are much bigger than they were in 2017. So I know it feels like the world is about to end. I know it feels like we get capitulation after capitulation after capitulation. I know we get a hit after a hit after a hit. And every time we think we're going to get stability, something else happens. Somebody else um, goes into liquidation. Somebody else capitulates. But it, but it feels like to me, having been around in 2017, having been around in the bear market before that, having been around in this bear market, it feels to me like this bear market is about to end. I'm not going to give you a date. I'm not going to tell you it's going to end on this and this date, but I'm going to say to you that it feels like it's very, very, very close to ending. So today, 
what we're going to do is we're going to look at some metrics, some fundamental data that show more or less when this bear market's going to end and decide whether it's time to be placing the chips now. I know it sounds scary. I know it, it sounds crazy to be putting your money down when we don't know what, what's going to happen with FTX, with depositors, with Genesis, but that is the time to invest. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. When is the right time to invest? Also, today we're going to be looking at BitBoy, what he's doing, um, and what the implications could be. And I've got a little bit of a warning for Bitcoin, so, uh, for BitBoy. So stay there. We're also going to be looking at Phantom. Andre Krenier uh, tweet, um, tweeted and wrote a Medium article over the weekend, a very, very, very good Medium article about Phantom over the weekend. Is it time to be adding Phantom back to your portfolios? That's what we're going to be talking about. Solana, there's a lot of Solana FUD, also uh, originated by BitBoy and the whole FTX collapse. And we're going to be looking at whether Solana should be in your portfolios at all. So listen, there is a huge, huge, huge show today. I hope I can finish it in time. What I need you guys to do, I need you guys to subscribe to the channel. I need you to like this content and I need you guys to share this content. You guys are the ones telling us that you're not getting notifications. And the reason why you're not getting notifications is because our channel is shadow banned again. Every time we do a piece where we mention the mainstream media, where we talk about the New York Times, where we name and shame and we expose people, our channel gets shadow banned afterwards. We know this, but we decided we're going to do it anyway. So we need you guys to help us get unshadow banned. And how you do that is like, subscribe, give us positive comments, share this link with as many friends as possible. Then we'll be able to keep bringing you this exposed type content. In the last couple of weeks, we've really, really, really exposed a lot of people. And we intend to carry on doing that. Um, but we are just scared of losing our channel. So we need your help. Cool. Let's get into the meat and potatoes because there's a lot to do today. So as I said, if you remember the good old days when Bitcoin was trading at 69,420, that was uh, in November, the 10th of November, uh, 2021. We're now uh, 384 days later, more or less, more or less 384 days. I think it's just a little bit less than 384 days later. And... We are near, I think, the lows. I mean, you can probably say we haven't hit the low wicks, but we're pretty much near the low, 16,200. We were looking higher over the weekend, and I was going to take a few positions over the weekend, but then I looked at this GMX um, dashboard. And remember, I kept saying to you that for me, this GMX dashboard, I've tested it probably 20 or 30 times. Every time that the longs go higher than the shorts by a big breakdown, by, by a big margin, the, 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 every time the longs go bigger, the price comes down. Every time the shorts go bigger, the price uh, goes up. And I've tested this thing about 10 or 11 times. And that's why I didn't take a Solana position this weekend. I was going to take a Solana position this weekend because I'm pretty bullish on Solana. I'm going to show you why in a few minutes. But I didn't take the position. And the reason why I didn't take this, the position is because on this dashboard over here, it told me not to take the position. Um, and every time I've tested it works. So I'm going to keep updating you on this position, but you can actually pretty much do it yourself. You just go to app.gmx.io forward slash hashtag forward slash dashboard, go to the dashboard and just see the longs versus shorts. Now, full disclosure, this is a, a, a metric that I actually got from Chico Crypto from Tyler. He was the one who originally found, found it, but I have been using it and I've been back testing it and I've been forward testing it and I've been trading on that um, metric. And every time I trade on that metric, it seems to be right. So keep watching that metric. Anyway, let's look at the bear market. Let's look at where we are. Let's look at, at where we can be, where, where it could be going. So this is all the Bitcoin bear markets. They lumbered uh, Bitcoin bear market one to Bitcoin bear market five. The first one is from 2011. 
And bear market five is where we are today. And you can see the different colors that all the bear markets are. You can see about this bear market is that from a number of days point of view, from a length point of view, this is now the second longest Bitcoin bear market that we've had, that we've ever had. The only other one that we had was in 2013 to 2015. And that was obviously a bit longer. From a drawdown point of view, from the amount that Bitcoin has gone down top to bottom, we're not at max pain yet. So you can see that like um, the bear market one of 2011, we went down much more. We went down like 85 or 90%. If you look at bear market two, okay, so we, we are now lower than we were in bear market two, pretty much the same. If you look at bear market three, bear market three went a bit lower than we are today. Um, bear market four as well. Bear market four also went a bit lower. So what it's showing you is that you've survived a long period of time, but it does look like if we are to emulate other bear markets, we could still go down when it comes to price. We could still go down when it comes to price. And it does look like um, if, if, if you use historical data, you guys have survived a long, long, long marathon. So if you're still here, congratulate yourselves. If you're part of the fam, congratulate, congratulations. I think it's been amazing that we've been here for each other through good times and bad times. And we've kept each other sane and we've kept each other rational during these crazy times. And it looks like the crazy times may be coming to an end. And I've got a whole lot of metrics that show that. This is just to give you a visual representation of Bitcoin's drawdowns from all-time highs. Now, again, if you go back to 2011, you can see 2011 over here was much lower. The price of Bitcoin went down 90.69%. And if you look at where Bitcoin is today, we are currently... Um, from all-time high, we are, let's have a look here, 72.39% uh, away from all-time high. So it does look, if you look at these metrics, I think actually you can pull this a bit further. Here we go. So that's, there we go. That, that makes a lot more sense. So we're about 70, 75% from, uh, 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 from all-time high. As you can see, there have been some bear markets that have been more brutal. So 2011 was more brutal. In fact, if you look here, um, this bear market was also more brutal 2017, 2018, we were 80% down. So it can be, it, it does look like it's getting worse. This is an interesting thing that I saw as well. The 2015 to 2017 bull market was 1,064 days. The 2018 to 2021 bull market was also 1,064 days. The 2017 to 2018 bear market was 364 days. And the 2021 current bear market was it's it's now over 364 days it's a little bit over it's about a, about 375 days so interesting just to 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 note the comparisons if you're looking at bull market versus bull market and bear market versus bear market it again shows that we could be entering a different uh, a different uh, uh, period also halving progress so we know that bitcoin runs uh, in parallel or with some kind of correlation to the halvings and if you look at the halvings they're talking about halving progress 64%. And if you look at 64% towards the halving, which means that we have gone 64% towards the next halving, you can see that usually at 64%, that's when the market starts to turn. It happened over here, it happened over here, and now it's happening over here. So if this market is similar to any other cycle, well, we could be uh, turning pretty soon. There are a whole lot of other metrics which show exactly the same thing. So um, net unrealized profit and loss, which is... Mm -hmm the amount of unrealized profit and loss in the system. Again, look how long, 165 days of net unrealized profit and loss being in the negative. Uh, MVRV ratio, this is from, from Willie Wu. He's saying that the MVRV ratio had bottomed already, okay, but, but because of FTX, it actually bottomed again. And you can see in Bitcoin's history, if you look at the MVRV ratio, it hasn't, 
double bottomed ever. And it does feel it does look like it's it's double bottom now. So again, more things. The difference though between this bear market and other bear markets is that in other bear markets, when the market went down, the retail investor ran for the hills. The retail investor said, look, I, I got nothing to do. I, I, I don't want anything to do with crypto. I don't believe in crypto. It's never going to succeed. But if you look at Bitcoin now and you look at the shrimp addresses, which is the number of entities that own less than one Bitcoin, in this bear market, they seem to be accumulating exponentially, which shows you that there is confidence in the technology. And people are saying, look, you know, this bear market, this dip is probably a good dip for, for all of us uh, to be buying. Another thing which you should be looking at is you can look at the general mindset in the market. So just look around you and look at the general mindset in the market. The people that are here, you guys, you guys watching the show, me, Kyle, James, Fred, all of us, there's not much that can shake us out of crypto anymore. And that's exactly what Andrew Kang says. He says, we might have hit a pocket of what, they, what he calls retard strength in the market. What he's saying is, hold on a second. Yeah, it's retard strength. It's like, it's like I ain't selling. No matter what happens, I'm not fucking selling. That's what basically retard strength is. And that's kind of where we are because what he's saying is, look, if you're a hodler and you didn't sell off to Luna and then you didn't sell off to Celsius and then you didn't sell off to 3AC and then you didn't sell off to FTX and you still didn't sell off to the, the Genesis DCG GBTC fund, what would actually make you sell? Like, what is it that, 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 that would make you sell? If you're still holding your coins, ask yourself a question. What is it that would actually make you sell? And you get to the point where you say, hold on, you're looking at the fundamentals only. And if you're looking at the fundamentals only and you're blocking out the short-term noise, which by the way, FTX is short-term noise. Genesis is short-term noise. DCG is short-term noise. When you're looking at the fundamentals of technology, there are a whole lot of us who are retards, retard strength, and we're not selling. And that's another sign that we've probably hit the bottom. Then listen, dupes did a, a thread this weekend. I mean, when the bears, dupes is a bear, right? The problem is when he was born, um, instead of buying him like, like, like decent like toys and stuff, his parents just bought him bears, lots of bears. So in his, in his crib, in his cot, it was just dupes and a whole lot of teddy bears, just teddy bears, teddy bears, teddy bears. As a result, he grew up and he was, he's by, nat by nature, he's a very bearish guy. And he wrote a thread this weekend, um, long thread, 10 parts, maybe dupes, maybe you can explain it better than I can. Okay, I'm on my mic. Sweet. Uh, okay, well, I have to share screen quick. Let me just do that. One second. Okay, there we have it. Yeah, so... Uh, don't, steal, don't steal the show now. You know I mean? No, no, I won't. I won't steal it. I won't. I'll make it very, very quick. Um, you can go to the tweets if you want to see the whole history. Uh, very, very simply put, I have different uh, vertical lines printed over here. So um, you have the red the orange, green, and essentially I want you to focus on the green, which is the fourth halvening event for this cycle. Um, and if you take that and move it across, the orange one over here marks 52 weeks, so exactly one year prior to the halvening event. And if you go to where we currently are now, we're sitting at 76 weeks before the halvening event. Now, if you go back on the tweet, historically, all the bottoms were put in just before the one year prior to the harvesting event, which is now this area that I've marked out. And all the bottoms look very, very similar where you have uh, kind of like a bottom that forms where it slopes like this. So it starts to form a base um, and we don't V-shape in pretty much any of the market bottoms except for 
COVID, but that was a black swan event, which marked quantitative easing so we could V-shape out of there. So basically what I've said is if you come with a solid plan of accumulating within this region, a dollar cost average, um, 25% over the next 18 months, you're pretty much going to be buying within this area over the next 18 months, which is, is um, obviously very good. The other 25% I've suggested that you use to try and time the bottom of which I believe is going to be anywhere between $10,000 uh, or $12,000 would be the first level of interest, which is a strong horizontal. Uh, for that, I would have to show you this chart. Um, so strong horizontals coming in over here at the mid-range at 11500 And then you have this long trend line that started the bull run of 2017. It marks the lows of 2018, the COVID low. And if price went as low as that, you're looking at anywhere around $8,600 to $9,000. Now, um, just quickly zooming out and looking at some of these. If you look at the current drawdown, we've had 77.5% drawdown from top to bottom. Um, previous cycles have had 93% in the first cycle, 86% in the second cycle, 84% um, drawdown in the third cycle. And they took um, 19 weeks, 52 weeks, and 52 weeks from top to bottom. We've currently gone 54 weeks right now. So we're right around that same time period. So if we go 80% down, that would take you to $13,785. What's interesting about that number is that's a key yearly level. That matches up with a key yearly level. Um, strong horizontal, 85% is the 10K region, and 87% is 8,300, which for me is worst case scenario. You go below that, you're in big trouble, which is why I don't go all in. You reserve 50%. Long story short, before we make this the car show, I'm starting to buy it. Yeah, see, I'm sticking with this plan. Um, I'm starting to buy. So exactly what I've written uh, over here is, there we go, 25% DCA over 18 months. Enter the other 25%. So it's about 8% at each uh, strong horizontal. You see how price reacts over there. So you can cut your losses. Um, if I'm wrong and things go way worse than that, uh, I'll be able to salvage a good part of that portfolio. I should hardly lose anything, maybe like 5%. That's basically okay. the plan. Cool. Next top, uh, one more thing. I know it's not the Carl show, but <laughs> expect the next top to expect the next top to come uh, 52 to 80 weeks post harvesting, which uh, would put it anywhere between May and November of 2025. Bitcoin's very mathematically programmed. You don't have to overcomplicate it. Okay. Cool. Bye. Okay, that was the end of the Carl show. I said, don't take over the show. You should want me to leave and I'll come back tomorrow. All right. Um, I, yeah. So it, as I said, it does feel, it feels like, like we're starting to bottom. I'm not saying we're at the bottom and no one can call the bottom. Every time I've tried to call the bottom, you know what happens. I'm always wrong. And you know, you always get shit on your finger if you try and pick a bottom. You shouldn't be doing that. But I did actually start publishing some portfolios and say, look, you know, if you want to be DCAing, this is the type of portfolio that, that I'd be getting into. Now, after the weekend, so this, these tweets got great traction. This one got like 5,000 5, likes, and I did a, 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 a $1,500 portfolio. Also got like 3,500 likes. I'm going to make some changes here today. So we'll talk about the changes later. But before we end this, I just want to show you one thing. I read this, and it really, really, really resonated with me. So it says, after a forest is burnt down, it takes time until it can burn down again. In between is a period of growth. And I think that that's what I wanted you guys to take away here is, 
we've been, the forest has been burnt down. You know, Sam Bankman Fried walked around with a jerry can of petrol and basically burnt down the whole forest um, between him and Do Kwan and Three Arrows Capital and Celsius, but mainly SBF. Um, it, I still, when I think about it, think, how could a 29 year old screw so many people? Like even Bernie Madoff, you take Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme and Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme was a Ponzi scheme for people that invested in Bernie Madoff's Ponzi, Ponzi scheme. And a lot of people gave Bernie Madoff money. This is a guy, a 29-year-old guy that basically screwed an entire nation. And what I'm hearing now from very reliable sources is that Amazon is making an eight-part series about SBF and Pornhub is looking to buy the rights to make a movie about SBF and how he fucked everybody. So there's, there's, there's this fight now going on. It's a true story. It's a true story. Pornhub, Pornhub is looking to make a video to buy the rights to make a video about SBF fucks everybody. True. Stop laughing. It's true. Anyway, um, let's talk about this week. It's a big week. So last week was Cyber with um, Black Friday. Now it's Cyber Monday. Um, we've been getting some stats around Black, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. The American consumer is not being stopped. If you look at it, they did $9 billion in sales, which is a record for Black Friday. And we're going to get the stats from Cyber Monday at the end of Cyber Monday today. But I'm assuming that if Friday was the biggest, Monday is also going to be the biggest. And what that means is that you're getting people like um, Jerome Powell sitting and watching this and going, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to get, um, to get the American people to, to, stop, to stop spending? The one thing that we, we can see, though, is that even though people spent a lot of money on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, or spending money now to on, on Cyber Monday, they're getting a lot less for the cash. So even though from an absolute terms, they spent $9 billion, if you take the actual number of units bought, the number of units, the number of items that were bought is much, much, much lower. And that's just giving an idea of, of how bad inflation is going to be. So this week, Powell speaking later in the week, we've got also non-farm payrolls, I think coming out on the 2nd of December. Um, we have non-farm payrolls, tells us whether we have uh, whether people are still getting jobs. Remember, we want unemployment to go up. Well, we don't really want that because people will be unemployed. But from an inflation point of view, for the markets, we want unemployment to go up. So we'll be watching that on the 2nd. The other thing that's happening on the 2nd of December, which no doubt you guys haven't forgotten, is this New York Times conference where all the woke leftist people go and speak. And it costs about $2,500 to be a part of it. And this is where Andrew Ross Sorkin is going to be interviewing SBF. Remember that. We spoke about it last week. The question I asked last week is whether, and I said, I don't think, I highly, highly, highly doubt that SBF goes to New York and speaks at this event. I just, there's no way that it can be happening. I can't see him leaving the Bahamas and going to New York. And Tiffany Fong, who, again, I don't have verification, but she claims that she's been speaking to SBF. And I don't know, I don't know if I believe her or not. I think I do. Don't, don't see any reason why anybody would lie about something like that. But I haven't been able to verify it. And she apparently asked SPF, are you actually coming into person into New York City for the New York Times Summit? And he said, probably not. Now, I think that's probably the right move. There's no chance that SBF is going to New York right now. Right now, I actually don't even think SBF can leave his house in the Bahamas because I just think that there's too much going on. I think if he goes to the US, he's going to be arrested. I think if he leaves his house in the Bahamas, the problem is he can't because BitBoy is outside. 
with the whole army of like BitBoy people, BitBoy's outside SBF's house. Um, you've, you've obviously watched this and you've seen this on the weekend. So it started off like this. Um, he said, I'm not playing games today. And he was wearing this like ba- this island style shirt. And you could see that he's in a Bahama type airport. And then I tweeted, I said, my God, he actually did it. BitBoy actually went to the Bahamas. Now he went to the Bahamas um, and it looks like there's a whole like bunch of them in the Bahamas, not only him and they're calling it the, uh, the, the hunt for SBF. But he went to the Bahamas and he literally started to stalk SBF. Like literally, I mean, like hiding behind trees, taking pictures of his of, of the guy's house, um, going to his car, um, taking photos through the window of his car uh, with meds and stuff in the car. Um, I think this, this looks, this is not Adderall. Adderall is not that color. It doesn't look like it. But no, it's not Adderall. But taking pictures of like stuff, the guy's deodorant in his car, literally being, I mean, you know, I mean, let's say this. First of all, congratulations to to Ben for actually doing this. Because like he said, he's done something that no regulatory authority has actually done. And that is, he's actually gone to the Bahamas to, to go and, well, that's the thing, to go and do what? I mean, it's all very well that he went to the Bahamas, which I think is amazing. But what is he hoping to achieve? I mean, there's no way that SBF would say, hey, BitPoint, come upstairs. Let me entertain you in the penthouse. Let me get you a drink. I know what you've been saying about me. I know you're one of the guys that exposed me. There's no way that SBF was going to invite him up for drinks. So I don't know what BitBoy was trying to do. I think that what BitBoy was trying to do, was trying, he was trying to get attention. And you know, if, if that was his objective, objective met. Like, well done. He got amazing attention. Um, I think it was a cool PR stunt. I think it was amazing to watch the whole weekend. It was a very boring weekend when it came to crypto pricing. And I think from an attention point of view, I think he's been, it was amazing. He got a lot of views. He made a whole lot of videos. I don't know if you guys watched some of the videos. I, I watched them because I think they were actually very funny and very cool. Um, show you some of them. I'm sure you guys have seen it. But if you haven't, I'll show you some. Okay, so they do start off with some sound issues, I remember. Yeah, it's, there were some sound issues on these videos and camera issues. But I think they are working. Are they working? There we go. So this is the compound. This is where SBF allegedly lives. So I'm going to take you fast forward. You can see he walks towards the compound. This is SBF's penthouse, allegedly. I mean, I think we know by now that it is. But Kevin McCarthy's about to lose. Kevin McCarthy's not going to get the speaker now because of this. They're actually, I think he got, there was an article today. So he walks around with his crew yeah. until eventually security catch up with him. Thank you. You can't be what? Okay. I'm just on the phone. Okay. Be on phone, right? And the guy says, look, you know, you, you guys can't be yeah. here. So, you know, he didn't make much progress there. He didn't actually get to, to see SBF. But I mean, it was, I think it was a very, very, very cool PR stunt. He went to see. Apparently, there was one unit at One Cable Beach. He went to see places they rented. where they didn't even buy. Where so the there's a lot of discrepancies on this real estate that they allegedly own. Property. They've done it with some shell companies and stuff like that. So it's hard to really know what they have. We've been told they did not have a whole floor. They did not have a penthouse. They had one unit here. Um, and we're still trying to figure out where is this $121 million worth of real estate that they have. So, yeah, that, so that's pretty much what he did. He didn't actually get to see SBF. And 
I don't know what his agenda is. I don't, I don't see what the agenda is before that. We were going to go to, 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 to Bahamas, but we said we'd only go if we can get an exclusive or if we can get an interview with SBF. He seems to have gone just to check it out and just to see what happened. And this is the part that's worrying me. So you know how I feel about Ben. I think he's a great guy. Um, I think him and I have had long discussions. He's been on the show a few times. I think he's a great guy. I think he's made some mistakes in the past. And I think he's cleaned up well. And I think in this specific downfall of FTX, he's come out as a champion for the people. He's come out really as a champion for the people. He's, he's fighting to get a bill passed, which is the antithesis or the opposite of the SBF bill. He has, he has, he was the first one to, one of the first, first people to, to break the FTX news. Uh, him and I did a couple of interviews. I don't know if you remember, but we, we, we spoke about the fact that if SBF may go down, etc. The problem now is that I think that my friend Ben may be getting too addicted to the attention. And as a result of being addicted to the attention, I think that he's taking unnecessary risks. I think he's thinks that he is invincible, uh, undefeatable. And I think that the problem with that is that I think he may take too many risks, either because he's getting overconfident or because he is addicted to the attention. And I'm just worried for Ben that it's not going to end well. I hope it does, but I'm really worried that it's not going to end well because he seems to be picking fights with a whole lot of people. Great. You picked a fight with SBF and it worked. Congratulations. I think that's really, really, really amazing. You did a great service to industry. You went to Bahamas. Um, you got a whole lot of views. You got a whole lot of clicks. You got a whole lot of attention, but you didn't actually meet SBF. And I think it was a great PR stunt. I think well done to Ben. But this is where I'm starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable. This is where I'm starting to feel a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable. So he's taking on the Solana blockchain. He's, his view is that the Solana blockchain keeps getting, kept getting paused because it was an attack. It wasn't an attack from the outside. It was an attack by SBF to be able to, to, to launder funds. He said, every time the Solana blockchain paused, it was actually Alameda Research laundering money and brute forcing transactions. There are others out there. There are others out there, receipts. And if you know, if you think about it, knowing what we know now, does this surprise anyone if you and Solana run for the hills? But then Anatoly Yakovenko, who's the founder of Solana, says, if this attack was possible, the attacker would be able to do the same thing every 10 minutes with Bitcoin blocks. And so technologically, this is not possible. So he's picking a fight with the Solana community. Then he's picking a fight with Mr. Wonderful. Now, bear in mind that, you know, Mr. Wonderful... I'm not going to comment as to whether he's right or wrong or Ben's allegations about him are right or wrong. But what I am going to comment about is that he's a very, very, very powerful guy. And he's got a very, very, very strong and very valuable reputation as a result of, of years and years and years of building his reputation. And what Ben is doing now, he's attacking Mr. Wonderful. Now, Ben may be right, but he also may be ahead of himself and he may be wrong. I don't know. I'm just worried that if he carries on like this, he's going to get he's going to have an accident. He's going to get sued. He's going to pick with the wrong guy, fight with the wrong guy. And I'm all for, really, I'm all for, um, I'm all for protecting the industry. I'm all for being vocal. But I do think, I'm just worried about my friend Ben. And I'm just worried that he may be getting ahead of himself. I hope not. I hope he's right. Um, I'd love to see what, what, what happens, how this plays out. But, I mean, he's, he's now, he's accusing Mr. Wonderful of murder, even though, you know, there was, a, there was this whole thing about 
Mr. Wonderful and a boat accident that killed two people. And again, I'm, I'm only going on what the court, what happened in, in court, but in court, they said that he, it wasn't murder because he hadn't been drinking and his wife was actually driving the boat. He said he was drinking afterwards to calm his nerves when this all happened. And Ben is now accusing Mr. Wonderful of murder. Now, falsely ac accusing Mr. Wonderful or somebody of murder in the public uh, domain, someone with a big reputation is a big problem because that you can get sued for and you can get defamation suits and stuff like that. He's also calling him a scammer. Um, many, many times he's calling the guy a scammer. Now, look, I'm not taking sides yet. I don't know who's right and I don't know who's wrong, but I do hope that Ben, I don't want to say calms down, but I just, I want to say that I hope that he knows what he's doing and I hope that he's biting off, not biting off more than he can chew, as one of you saying, because if he is, he's messing with big people now. And, you know, I don't want, I don't want him. I think what he's done is great. I think he's, 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 he's really championed the people here, but I just w worry what happens when stuff like this happens. And I, and I've been watching, I've been looking at a lot of stuff like this. So, um, uh, it says, I may show up at Kevin's house next day. And God, Kevin O'Leary isn't the Bahamas. Do you know how much water there is here? Would be extremely dangerous. Referring to the boat interview. Um, he says, uh, Crypto Bozo, if you show up at my house, you can take out the garage, take, the, take out the garbage. I think he's immense, the garbage. And I'll pay you your first honest job. I invest lots of money in entrepreneurs. Why not you? Um, just a lot of this. There's a lot of this. Now, Ben's saying that the reason why Mr. Wonderful won't sue him is because if they go to discovery, a lot is going to come out. He says, I'll tell you what, Kevin, if I'm defaming you and you and Sam never had the conversation about a coordinated plan on Celsius, then sue me. It's a simple defamation suit. File it. See, I know, I know you don't want to go to discovery. Let's see how big your balls are. Now, that's one thing that Mr. Wonderful can sue him for. But Mr. Wonderful can also sue him for defamation, for calling him a murderer, for defaming him, for, for, for destroying Mr. Wonderful's public image. And as a result, maybe Mr. Wonderful won't get as many gigs going forward or as many investments going forward. And so, as I said, love what Ben's doing. I think he's become addicted to the attention and the hype. And I just hope that he knows what the hell he's doing. I have spoken to him directly. I sent him a few messages and he replied. And actually, I'll tell you what he replied because I don't think it's, it, I think it's pretty public. Um, let me quickly find it for you. He says, um, none of them want defamation lawsuits because my evidence comes out in discovery and they know it. And I'm actually, um, and I'm actually playing a role in removing Gary Gensler. So that's another person he's taken on, Gary Gensler. Now, if I was in the States and I was on a YouTube channel and I had spoken about unregistered securities, I wouldn't take on Gary Gensler. I just don't think that that's the smartest move in the world, but he's so convinced that he's going to remove Gary Gensler. So listen, love what he's doing. I just really hope that this thing doesn't go out of control. I have tried to speak to him. I hope that he knows what he's doing. And I guess we're going to have to see what plays out. The one part I did like is Atozi. Remember he sued that, that YouTuber Atozi and, um, he said, Atozi came out and said, you sued me for way less than, than, than um, this whole Kevin, uh, Kevin O'Leary thing. And all these people that he's fighting against, barring Mr. Wonderful, who, to be honest, I've got no, no beef with, Gary Gensler, SPF, all the people that, Gary, that, that, that Ben's taking on, got no issues with. Solana blockchain, I don't agree with, with his analysis on Solana blockchain. I'll show you in a second why I don't agree with his, with his um, analysis on the Solana blockchain. I just think that when it comes to Solana, he's wrong. And... James from Invest Answers actually made a cool video this weekend, which you should go and watch. Everybody here should go and watch this video. It's called, Is Solana Dead? 
And it's a definitive study. And, he, you know, James really goes into detail with all slides and stats. And, you, you know, James's kind of videos. Very, very cool. All about stats. And if you look at the stats, there's really not much that you can argue that Solana does have a very, very bright future. And that's why I was looking to buy some Solana this weekend. If you look at Sol, number one, there was this questionnaire done um, uh, with Solana devs, 107 Solana devs after the FTX collapse. And it says, how are you feeling about Solana? Are you deploying on any other chains? Um, what is a developer net promoter score? What is a consumer net promoter score? Developer experience of building on Solana? And was your team directly impacted by FTX? And so if you look at the stats here, first thing is, how are you feeling about Solana? Out of 107 responses, five, I'm not fucking leaving, 54, four, 24, 318. So people aren't leaving, developers aren't leaving the Solana blockchain. Are you deploying on any other chains? Out of 107 responses, this is what people replied. Only Solana, 71, 71 66.4% said they're only deploying on Solana. Um, net promoter score, you want to get as close to 8, 9, and 10 as possible. Um, on a scale of 8, 9, 10, how likely are you recommend developers build apps on Solana? So look at that. Look at the overwhelming majority say that the devs are saying it. So you take all of that and you take all of this, and it looks like, Solana is still strong. And then you overlay that with developer activity and you overlay that with transactions and specifically NFT growth. And you can see that NFTs and Solana are still growing. Even though the NFTs, there's an NFT downturn, NFTs and Solana are still growing. So for me, I don't believe this FUD that Ben is doing on Solana. I think it's technologically not possible unless he knows something that we don't know. And if I look at the fundamentals on Solana, the fundamentals are very strong. And that's why I included it in the portfolios and to be honest, I'm actually starting to buy Solana again. Um, slowly, I'm not, not aping into anything, but I am starting to buy Solana again. And the reason why, again, just go and watch this video that James made. Uh, it's not our James, it's James from Invest Answers. Our James can't make a video like this. He doesn't, he doesn't have the, the, the knowledge about Solana. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, so I'm looking, I'm looking a little bit at buying Solana. The other one that I've changed my mind on this weekend is Phantom. So remember I said to you guys, that I wasn't buying more Phantom. I wasn't selling my Phantom, but I wasn't buying any more Phantom. And the reason why I wasn't buying any more Phantom, I said, look, there's two things that Phantom doesn't have that I needed. The first thing is I don't have a charismatic leader. So like Ethereum has Vitalik, um, uh, uh, Avalanche has Emin, um, uh, uh, Solana has Anatoly and Raj. And I just felt that Phantom didn't have a leader because ever since Andre Cronier left, like there's no leader, there's no champion of the blockchain. Now, of course, you've got Michael who's heading up the Phantom Foundation, but I don't think that he's strong enough to be this charismatic leader. So I always say to you guys that, you know, when if the thesis changes, then you've got to be able to change your mind about whether you're buying or selling. The other reason I said to you I'm not willing to buy Phantom is because there's not enough VCs behind it. There's just not enough VCs building enough cool or investing in people building enough cool shit on Phantom. But this weekend, some of that changed. And the reason why some of that changed is the first thing that happened was, remember a while back, I said that Andre is speaking in a conference in Miami, 25 to 27 uh, Jan in Miami. He's speaking on behalf of the Phantom Foundation. So Andre, he would have had to approve this because he's speaking there and he's coming back as the Phantom Foundation. The second thing is he wrote a Medium article, which is strange. Why are you writing Medium articles about Phantom? And he did. He wrote a Medium article about Phantom. And he, he wrote an inside peek at the financials of the company. And what this goes on to show is it goes on to show that Phantom were actually very, very smart. Because 
in the bull market, they sold a whole lot of FTM tokens and put them into stables and into other crypto assets. And as a result, what they've got is they've got over $100 million in crypto assets, 50 million in non-crypto assets, excluding their phantom tokens. So now this foundation has over $150 million. And if you take their burn, if you take the phantom burn, the phantom burn is like $7 million a month or something like that. So, um, so you take the phantom burn. Long story short, if you, if you summarize all of this, they've got 30 years of runway left. The Phantom Foundation has got 30 years of runway left, which made me think that, hold on a second, you've got the figurehead potentially coming back, and I have had some private conversations with him on Telegram, and I'm going to leave him private, but I'm going to say to you that the sentiment is not as bad as it was when he left. But chances are he may be back. And if he is back, and the Phantom Foundation really has 30 years of runway, given what other blockchains have lost in this, in, this, um, in this bear market, I actually think it may be worth taking a punt on Phantom. Now, if I look at Phantom, if I look at the, the, um, the price on Phantom, close to, close to the lows, not all-time lows, obviously, but let's just take the, the Phantom. Okay, it's up a little bit today, 10% today. But if you look at it, let's take a much longer chart. So generally... The price of Phantom hasn't been this low since the beginning of the last bear market. I mean, you, you can kind of see where it's come from. And so I think it may be worth having some or adding some Phantom to your portfolio. I just think that now may be the, the right time to do it. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's, that's two tokens that I might add to the portfolio. Solana and Phantom, I'm adding both. I'm adding both. Uh, I didn't put them in my portfolios over the weekend, but I think probably one to go. And Miles is actually doing a show later on today um about phantom he's doing a deep dive uh, a deep dive into phantom um i think i'm gonna watch that and then let's let's make a decision after that oh what else is there there's not we have a lot of, we have a lot to do not much time you had the regulators in the bahamas coming out um basically remember that all eyes on the bahamas here a lot of companies go there because it's a tax shelter and because they think they don't have very strong laws but all eyes are now on the bahamas because i don't think there's ever been a fraud this big originating out of the bahamas and the, the regulator in the Bahamas um, addressed the state. I want to just quickly play you one or two parts of this, assuring people that they are actually taking action. So I want to show you something. Um, it's quickly going, going to the right part of the video. So this is the first part. Oh, I'll be listening to it in two speed. Let me just get it back to normal speed so that normal people can listen to it. The Securities Commission secured the assets of FTX Digital Markets to be held on behalf of and for the benefit and restitution of clients and creditors of FTX. So they have secured the funds. That's what they're saying. They have secured the funds. I want to take you guys back to the end. In fact, let's go down to the end where he, he warns people to say, like, this is not going to be a banana republic. The Bahamas is very serious about eradicating this. In fact, currently me- being experienced by the digital assets sector will pass and that there is still much potential for growth and opportunity ahead. In fact, I am fully confident that as matters progress and the, F, uh, the, the activities of the FTX group are either restructured or wound down, the Bahamas will emerge, held in even higher esteem. A turbulent cryptocurrency period on a global basis and the downfall of a single Bahamian company in no way threatens a bright future for the Bahamas. So he's fighting for the Bahamas, but then you do a bit of 
research as to who this guy is. And, you know, Twitter does amazing research. And they said the attorney general for the Bahamas has, has um, promised an, an active ongoing investigation into SBF and FTX. But he was the chief legal officer at Deltic Bank, which was Tether's bank. So it just looks like everyone's, you know, the Bahamas is a very small place. And now everybody's watching the Bahamas. So let's keep our eyes on the Bahamas and, and everything else that's happening there. Um, there were a couple of other things. Wow, there's so much to do today. There's so much happening today. Um, DCG or Genesis says that if they don't get money soon, they are going to actually go into liquidation. And as we showed you last week, uh, DCG have, have admitted that they actually owe Genesis $2 billion. They owe $575 million, which is due in May 2023. And then they owe them another $1.1 billion as a promissory note, uh, which is the three arrows capital uh, liabilities that they assumed. So, yeah, that's that. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but if you do see FUD around wrapped ETH, W ETH, it's, it's a joke. It's a joke going around uh, crypto Twitter. There's no problem with wrapped ETH. In fact, wrapped ETH, you can actually view wrapped ETH on chain all the time. So it's basically, it's a smart contract. The smart contract wraps ETH, holds ETH. And so there's one-to-one asset backing. It can never unpick. So if you do see a whole lot of stuff, like a Bloomberg journalist saw the stuff and actually wrote an article about it like an idiot because they just don't understand crypto. Um, yeah, I think also another interesting thing that we saw, which could have been FUD, but actually wasn't, was there was a massive move from one wallet to another wallet with Binance. And that is because of the proof of reserves. The auditors want them to show, um, the, the auditors want them to show um, that they're actually in control of the wallet and that they can actually do transactions. And that was what that thing was about. And then lastly, um, Oh, wow. Hold on a second. Okay, so uh, we just got news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news um, from BlockFi. Uh, BlockFi filing for bankruptcy and conducting major layoffs. Wow. Okay, so there we go. Chapter 11, another one in Chapter 11. So Celsius is in Chapter 11. BlockFi is in, in, in Chapter 11. That means they obviously didn't raise their money, um, which is bad because it means that anybody who's got money in uh, any anybody's got money in BlockFi, which means that you're not going to have to wait a long time to get your money back. I wish people would have listened. I always said, I don't like BlockFi. I just didn't like BlockFi. I suppose Celsius is also gone when I did like Celsius. To be honest, I did like Celsius. I didn't realize what Alex was doing, but I did like Celsius. Um, there was something else that I wanted to show you guys. Uh, oh, this. This is the reason why, why um, Dogecoin pumped this weekend. And I think it's actually still pumping, to be honest. Let's quickly look. So Doge... Uh, let's look at Doge. You better have Doge in your portfolios now. Now that the richest man in the world has a platform with 250 million monthly active users. Yeah, Dogecoin pumped on the weekend, as you can see. And the reason why Dogecoin pumped, for those of you who weren't paying attention, um, is because Elon showed some slides from the company Talk. And, you know, you can see the type of slides, monthly active users growing to 253 million, blah, blah, blah. But then one of the slides had a thing called payments and it was blank. And so people always like, thought payments uh, must be Dogecoin. And that's what happened. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's, that's that. I want to show you something else, uh, a new sponsor on our show. Um, and the re to be honest, I don't usually reach out to sponsors to sponsor us. Usually they call us and, and, and um, we allow them to, you know, we, we do our due diligence. Then we decide who can and who can't be a sponsor of the show. So we have a new sponsor. And the reason why I actually called these guys, um, the reason is because I've been betting a lot on the World Cup. 
So I've been taking a lot of World Cup bets. And I was looking for a way to do World Cup bets using crypto because I didn't actually want, I didn't want it on my credit card for a whole host of different reasons. And so we found a site uh, called sportsbet.io. Now, the good thing about sportsbet.io, I mean, it's a great site. It is, it is, it's again, I'm not saying that you must go and gamble, but if you are betting on the World Cup and you do want to use crypto instead of using your credit cards, go to sportsbet.io. Now, I have been messing around with them. Um, you can do a hell of a lot here. So you can build your own bets. So for example, if I want, if I, there's Brazil against Switzerland, if I want to say that there's a draw and then I also want to add a second bet. Uh, so for example, I can take a draw and say, I bet $100 that there's going to be a draw. I can get $450 if there is a draw. Uh, if Switzerland win, I'm not going to bet on Switzerland win, but a draw is quite interesting here. But then you can also build a bet and you can take a bet from another game. So I say, if Switzerland uh, win is a draw if the Switzerland Brazil game is a draw and Portugal win or and Ronaldo scores a goal. So let's say and Ronaldo scores a goal. Um, here we go. What are my odds? I can get 22.09 on $100. See that? So very interesting. And you can use your crypto. So I've been doing it. That's why I reached, I reached out to them as a sponsor, not them reaching out to us. I said, listen, you got to sponsor us because I'm playing with a credit card. I don't want to play with a credit card. I want to play with crypto. I found this. Um, uh, yeah, I found this. I'm, I'm using it. If you want to sign up, there's a referral link below. Uh, and I think what we're going to do is I'm going to show you the bets that I'm taking here because I am taking a few bets on the games. I'm going to take a draw on Switzerland and Brazil. Um, and I think what I'll do is I'm also going to take a Ronaldo goal. And I think I'm going to put 100 bucks on that. So if Brazil, if there's a, a Brazil-Switzerland draw and Ronaldo scores a goal. I get 22,000 my money. I'm going to bet 100 bucks on that. And it's, again, I put in crypto earlier. So there we go. Okay, the bet has been placed. Done. Cool. So that's our new sponsor. Um, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to keep playing this. I'm not telling you guys, don't, do it if, don't, don't go and gamble. But if you are betting on the game and you are looking for something um, to, bet you, to play with your crypto, that's the one I'm doing it. Oh shit, someone said I bet I did a Switzerland win. Oh man, I took the wrong bet. Ah. Oh man, I took the wrong bet. Okay, I have to exit the bet somehow. I have to like reverse the bet. I don't know. I don't know how you do Ah, I can't believe I did that. I'm such an idiot. I did it live. That's why. I must focus. I must focus. Listen, I'm gonna see you guys again tomorrow. Until then, damn, I can't believe I did that, man. That's like a fat finger trade. Oh, Oh God! I imagine, but imagine now if Switzerland do win, but I don't think so. I think I've just lost a hundred bucks. So I'm an asshole. Thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me know. Thanks for letting me know. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> Damn it! Now do you know what I have to do to get that back? Oh damn! I'll see you guys again tomorrow. Until then, bet well, my friends. <laughs>